The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. All right, now stand up on your feet. All across this place, I hope that you have notes at this time. If you don't, would you raise your hand? They'll bring them to you. Preaching and teaching you from the book of Acts, chapter 4. Glory to God. Acts chapter 4. You all have notes? Say amen. All right, Acts chapter 4. Here we go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Reading from the New King James, we're going to start in verse 18. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Woo! Hope you brought a steak knife. You ready? Here we go. Acts chapter 4 and verse 18. Let's read the word. So they called them and commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak of the things which we've seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Verse 22, For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went their own to went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, so when they heard, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Would you say that with me? Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who, made, who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot vain things? They're, the kings of the earth took their stand, and their rulers gathered together against the Lord and his Christ, verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand had purposed, had, had purposed determined before to be done. Verse 29, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service, and Lord, the baby dedications today, and the presence of God that's here flooding even this place. We're asking, God, that you would give us living understanding in the moments that remain in the service that people would be encouraged and strengthened, that your word would go forth, and we know that it does not return void. Lord, do all that is in your heart in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise God. What do you do when you're in trouble? What do you do when you're threatened? What do you do when you have insurmountable problems 
that are facing you? What is your response? The response of the disciples here was to pray. They had a prayer meeting. I don't think that's the first thing that necessarily comes to mind for many, even though they might love the Lord. Because most people don't really know about how to pray through or about really the the efficacy of prayer and the great privilege we have to do it. They changed things through praying. And throughout Scripture, you will see circumstances and situations facing people, but when they prayed, God showed up and turned it all around. In the book of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 31 Our hero, our master, our savior, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for your faith that you might not fail. Interesting that he says, Simon, Simon, because I think Jesus is giving us a key to why he did fail, which is not the emphasis of this text or the emphasis of this message. But he says, Simon, Simon, there was things within Peter that made him a candidate for failure. But, but Jesus says, I've prayed for your faith. And, and we know Peter becomes really the, the lead disciples. And he did fail, cock-a-doodle-doo. He denied the Lord three times, as was prophesied. But he came back to his senses. Why? I believe he came back to his senses because Jesus had prayed for him. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Say that. Say, prayer changes things. Say it again. Prayer changes changes things. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. Herod had just killed one of the disciples with the sword, saw that it pleased the people, so he thought, well, I'm just going to grab the lead disciple, Peter. And he puts him in prison, and he's kept in prison, watched over by four squads of soldiers, which I ought to tell you that Herod was a little bit nervous. You understand four squads, one guy, one fisherman? What are you nervous about? And so Peter's kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. This is Acts 12, verse 5. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. And you know the story, don't you? An angel came and kicks him, wakes him up. He gets up, he says, gird yourself. And he brings him outside the prison. All the gates open automatically. And he finds himself back at the small group, finds himself back at the home when they're praying. Wow, prayer Turn things around. Pr- prayer changed things for Peter. Not once there, but twice and, and in many other places. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, 26, Paul and Silas are in prison for basically preaching the gospel and doing signs and wonders. And they're there in prison, and it says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And what ended up happening is there was an earthquake and all their chains, that means not just their own chains, all the prison chains, we stood there. It's the Mamertine prison. I stood there in Rome where this took place. An earthquake shook it so violently that they were let out and the jailer was going to kill himself because everybody was gone. And Paul said, don't, don't, don't harm yourself. No harm is, don't let no harm done to you. And the jailer gets saved in the promise of him and his whole household. Prayer changes things. You can change things by praying. And I would say and add by praying through. Everybody say praying through. Anybody ever play golf? One of the hardest things I have to do in in playing the game of golf, a game of new beginnings, because once you duff the first hole, you get a new try on the second hole. 
When you play golf, you have to follow through. You have to, if you miss this part, you don't really get the kind of clean shot. You need to keep your head down. My son's learning to play basketball. The coach is telling him, you need to follow through. You follow, follow, follow through. Isn't that right? Sports, you got to follow through. You got to follow through in prayer. You can pray through in prayer. Come on, if you have a basketball and you bring it up and that's it, you're going to get a swish? Nothing but that? No, it never left your hand. You, you need to follow through. You need to pray through. We need to learn to pray, but we need to pray. Come on, pray. say pray through. What does it mean to pray through? Write in your notes. It means pers to persevere. Persevere until you receive the assurance that your prayer has been answered. Now that can be actually, you see it manifested in the natural, but it can also be something that you sense in your inner man, that you have an inner witness, that you know it's done. Lots of examples of that in my own life. But I, I love this text here. It's the man of importunity in Luke chapter 18. Turn there with me. Jesus gives this parable in Luke 18 and verse 1. Then he spoke the parable to him that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Everybody say, don't lose heart. Saying there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God or regard man. And there was a widow in that city who came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary, in verse 4. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said to himself, though I do not fear God or regard man, yet this widow troubles me. In other words, He'd wake up and she's outside the window. Give me justice! He's like, ah, go away. He's, he's drinking his cup of French roast and there she is. Give me justice! She's on the way to work. She's hounding him as he's on the way to go judge some cases. Give me justice! Give me justice! And she's like, he's like, shut up! And he, she continues. That's we're reading into it a little bit, but the idea is that she just would not let up day in, day out, month in, month out. However long it took, we don't know. But he's finally like, all right, ready. I've heard enough. I'm going to give you justice. Finally, he just lost it. I think he was Jewish. And the Lord said in verse 6, hear what the unjust judge said. In other words, I don't fear God, and I don't regard man, but this chick's really bothering me. And I'm just wanting to get out of my face. I want to eat my hummus in peace. And so he gives her justice. Now, God's not like that. Come on, somebody say, God's not like that. God's not unjust. And most of us are not widows. But the point is this. The point is, verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he hears along with them, I tell you the truth, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? That is a powerful verse. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's relating faith to perseverance and he's relating faith to prayer. In other words, if you have faith, you're a person who prays. It also ties into day and night prayer. The fire on the altar, we call it on Friday nights, comes from the book of Leviticus. It never let the fire on the altar go out. Let it continually be burning. It's a picture that we are supposed to be people that pray without ceasing. Faith and perseverance. 
What does it mean to persevere in prayer? It means to overcome the opposition. And I'll tell you what the number one opposition has been for me all these years of serving God. Number one, still the number one, my flesh. Your flesh. You're going to have to overcome your flesh if you're going to be a person of prayer. If you're going to learn to pray through. See, I can hear almost in the spirit right now, some of you are like, well, what's the difference? Because when God's God, He's going to do what He wants to. He's sovereign, and He loves me, so I'm just going to trust Him. It's crazy that some people just wait for God to come and show up and kick the devil out of their house, when in fact He already did that and gave you a badge, gave you authority for you to kick the devil out of your house. So if you constantly wait for Him to come and do it, listen, you're the one that has to do that. You have to forcefully evict demonic intruders. Come on, just put your foot. No, you better not do that. It means overcoming the flesh. It means overcoming the world. To persevere, to pray through, it means to overcome the devil. The insights on how to pray through, very simply from this text this morning. The first thing to note here is they're desperate. They were desperate. They were in some serious trouble. They'd been threatened. And, and they said, don't say anything in the name of Jesus ever again. And I love that verse, which talks about really the two spheres of authority. They say, whether it be right in, in, in God's eyes to obey you rather than God you judge. There might come a time when somebody tells you, you can't preach the gospel anymore. I got news for you. It doesn't matter what the government ever says about preaching the gospel. He tells us to stop. It will not stop. So higher law at work can't stop. Can't stop mandated can't read the bible <clears throat> wrong got to got to do it can you say amen? amen they were desperate the woman with the issue of blood in luke 8 was desperate she pressed through spent all of her money on all that she on all the doctors that she had and it was no worse but better uh, no better but worse pardon me and she pressed through the crowd even running the risk of being judged and killed for her for her lawless act what lawless act the book of leviticus says you can't be around people with an, with with diseases skin diseases a flow of blood that she had and yet she said in her mind i'm desperate i'm going to die anyway what's the point i might as well touch the hem of the messiah's garment and get healed and she pressed through desperation will change you many people don't pray because they're not desperate or they get seduced by the wow factor of Hollywood and the, 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 you know, the, the selfie generation. So they really don't see the desperate hour that our nation is in. Really don't see the desperate hour that our country is in. Really don't see it. Think just everything's okay. It's going to be all right. And until our, our pocketbooks are deeply affected, maybe, then maybe we'll wake up. I'm going to tell you that America needs to wake up now. It's a desperate hour, and, it needs to, and we need to wake up and come back to our senses, return to our first love, and there needs to be a, 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 a wild prayer meeting that continues until it happens. And it's, it's just crucial. We need to pray through. Come on, someone say pray through. So a key for them is they were desperate. You know, desperation will affect you. Come on, have you ever been desperate? You don't know which way to turn. Somebody's going to die, and you cry out to God until he comes got many stories about that. I love this illustration. A man was, uh, well, he was at the bar. Not so good. Got drunk. Bad. Sin. Wanted to take a shortcut home. It was good that he didn't drive his truck. Takes a shortcut home through the cemetery. Well, unbeknownst to him, there was a freshly dug grave. 
he slipped on the side of the grave and fell to the very bottom. He got up and said, oh, I've got to get out of here. And he started crawling, realized I've fallen into a grave. So he starts crawling at the side. He finds a root. He's almost got himself out, but he can't. And he just quits. And he says, I'm just going to sleep it off. And in the morning, they'll come, they'll see me. It's probably a funeral or something. They'll see me at the bottom, and they'll help me get out. So he goes to sleep. Well, hour or so later, another man falls in the grave. Now there's two guys down there, one sleeping. The other guy's panicked that he's just fallen in a grave. So he's trying to get out, and he's just about ready to quit. And the first guy wakes up and says, Ah, don't bother. I tried, and I can't get out. (laughs) Bam! That guy's instantly out of the grave, the second guy. It's amazing what desperation will do for you. It'll move you to places. You'll be able to do things you didn't know. I love what the Lord said to one man of God. He said, you've got a discipline to discipline yourself to be a person of prayer. And he said, the man said to the Lord, well, Lord, I really don't have a lot of discipline. Well, said, well, then I'll just make you desperate. He said, whoa, 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 a second. They were desperate. The second thing you'll see is they prayed together in agreement. In Genesis chapter 11, the Lord God looks out over Babel as they're making this giant tower. And, and he says an amazing thing. Turn there, Genesis 11. Verse 5 of Genesis 11 says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Verse 7, evidence of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us come. Let us go down. Let who? Us. It's plural. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, but he's the triune God. I don't really understand that. I know, I don't either. We'll figure it out when we get to heaven. Let us come down and, and scramble their speech, basically. In other words, there was such unity that, that he looks and says, man, nothing's going to be impossible for them with that kind of unity. That was unity and agreement for evil. By the way, one of the reasons it's so difficult to see demonic strongholds broken is many times there's agreement. There's an endorsement of evil. And as a result, it's harder to break through. And we're dealing with that in our own nation. And some of you are dealing with that in your family. You need to cut ties with hell. And so God looks and says, man, I see their agreement. We've got to scramble their speech. This is no good. This is agreement for evil. And so their speech is scrambled and the table of nations comes about. And that's another, another message. It's interesting in the book of Acts chapter 2, what's the first thing the Holy Spirit does as he falls on them? He gives them a prayer language. He gives them tongues and there's this this roar, a, a sound of a mighty rushing wind where they begin to pray in tongues. Interesting, as the church is birthed there, tongues, a unification of prayer. Fascinating. They were in accord. They were in agreement. In fact, if you'll go back now, go back to Acts 4. Look with me. In verse 24, when they heard the reports of the threatenings, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Everybody say one accord. It's the same language as Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
They were all together with one accord. In other words, there's no disagreement. There's complete unity. The Greek word is homothomodon. Homothomodon. How many of you have homogenized milk? Okay. That means milk where it's been whipped and the fat particles are united so it doesn't separate. You don't have any cream on the top anymore, right? Okay. So it's oneness. But thomodon, thomo, it's heat. It's a violent oneness. So in the book of Acts chapter 2, there was this violent unity. And here in Acts chapter 4, again, there's this violent unity. There is something about agreement that releases God's power. How can two of you walk together unless you be in agreement? Agreement is absolutely crucial to seeing a release of God's power, to see prayer answered. You must have agreement. Now, you can be just you and God be in agreement. You can be in agreement with His Word. But I will tell you, you will just be confused to think that you're going to walk in power if you're not in agreement with His Word. If you're not in agreement in prayer, you're going to be impotent in everything that you do and wonder where the power is and wonder why God doesn't come through for you when you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. you got one foot playing with the things of the world and the other foot hoping that God comes through for you. That's confused. That's a tormented walk on the fence it's a a carnal christian is probably the most painful thing to be amen i got off my notes for a second y'all all right they prayed with the right concept of god now this is this is amazing because because listen you can't just pray of a god of your own understanding i don't care what you heard there's distortions and there's doctrines of demons and there's all kinds of misunderstanding. God's not going to back what he isn't. Now, the devil comes as an angel of light. So, I mean, how many of you know the devil can do miracles too? Say, why would he do that? To set that hook just a little deeper, to reel you in just a little bit more so that you just go even all the way bent and distorted for him. So they prayed with the right concept of God. Verse 24 of Acts 4. He's the creator. Say it with me. He's the, he's the creator. God of heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them. They prayed to the right concept of God. He's sovereign. He's the creator. He's the God who speaks. Look at verse 25. You spoke by the mouth of your servant David. Do you know God's a speaking God? God will speak to you. God will speak to us. God speaks through his word. And by the way, when God speaks now, it's nothing that's contrary to what you have here. It's nothing contrary to the word. One of the ways you know that it is God is it's, it lines up with everything he already said. Come on, somebody say he's a speaking God. And verse 27, 28 talks about Herod and Pontius Pilate and, and the Gentiles and Israel. He's the God who shapes history. I'm going to tell you, history is being made right now. If you were supposed to just get saved and just go to heaven, you'd be dead. But you're not. Come on, bump your person next to you. Just see if they're alive. Just give them a bump. You're alive right now. Why? Because God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. He's shaping history. I love what my friend Lou Engel said. History belongs to the intercessor. And they prayed specifically in God's will and in faith. They prayed specifically in God's will and in faith. And they prayed that God would consider their threats. I found myself praying this over our own nation. Lord, look at what's happening to our country. 
incredibly lame leadership in the White House. Oh, yeah, I said it. They're not supposed to be political. You know, I, I'm, I, am, I'm, I might get more political. Somebody has to say something, for God's sake. Politically correct? I don't have that bone. I don't care. Because, you see, I understand that I'm going to stand, we're going to stand before the God of heaven and give an account for every word that you, the way that you voted, the way that you speak, the way that you spoke up. Listen, I long, long time ago, there was people doing drugs on a tour. I was a tour guide, and all of the tour guides on this mountain were doing drugs. And it was so grievous to me. I was so upset over it, and I was, I was talking to God because I didn't want to be in a company that had a bunch of drug use with tour guides, and it was just the end thing to do. And I was a believer, and I loved the Lord, and I wasn't doing drugs. And so as I'm, as I'm praying, the Lord speaks to me out of Ecclesiastes, clears a bell, and says, evil prospers when good men do nothing. And I thought, oops. I'm like, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to arrest every one of them. You go up there and make such a scene. You just go up and stand for righteousness and let the chips fall. I remember going up and finding out where they all did their drugs. And I remember walking up to that group of about 20 to 25 tour guides on the backside of a, of a, a cinder cone. It was on a volcano, not active. And I stood there and I said to them, I want you to know that God spoke to me. And they're all looking at me. I said, here's what he told me. He told me that evil prospers when good men do nothing. So I'm here to give you a warning today that I will be personally arresting anybody I catch doing drugs on the mountain. And they, you know, they're cursing me, they're whatever. And I said, and the truth is whether you don't like me, whether you like me, you don't like me, it doesn't matter because I feel like the Lord wants me to do it. And I gave him the scripture, evil prospers when good men do nothing. I'm not going to sit and watch you do it. I was benching about 400 pounds, squatting 550 back then. I was a big boy. I, was a... I had no neck. And they all knew that I could personally arrest and beat down any one of them. You know what happened to me is I got persecuted for that shortly thereafter. The front tire of my bike was unbolted unbeknownst to me and I had a horrible crash where I think I broke my neck. My mother, who's here this morning, dragged me to church. I begged her to take me to the hospital. But my crazy Pentecostal tongue-talking devil beat down mama said, you're not going to the hospital, you're going to church. Come on, my mama drugged me. My mama drugged me to church, praise God. Dragged me in. The ushers had to, you remember this? The ushers had to, I couldn't walk. The ushers pull, pulled me, the car pulled up, and my mother and I think Karen, they went to go, got the ushers. And the usher said, yeah, Daniel's broke his neck. Bring him in. They're like, all right. They scooped me out of the car. They brought me into the church and lied me down about 10 rows back on the pew. It was a Wednesday night. They began to worship. Worship was incredible. And I just found myself lying there, and I stopped being angry for my mother's insanity, which is actually faith. Sometimes can be mistaken. Faith is many times spelled risk. Apparently she, you did hear from God, right? Amen. Apparently she heard from the Lord. And so I'm lying there, and all of a sudden I realize, God, you're the one that told me evil prospers when good men do nothing. So I did something. I know they sabotaged my bike. I know those punks sabotaged my bike. Lord, I'm serving you. 
I'm serving you. I don't have a broken, I'm not going to have a broken neck. And I thought to myself, you know something, of all that I've been through, I'm going to stand up and worship God. If my head falls off and I die, then I'll go straight to heaven. And that's how I felt about it. I just thought, man, I have been through so much. I'm serving you, and I'm, I'm going to die now? Am I going to let fear now take me after guns that didn't go off and things that didn't happen? How you rescued me? Come on, somebody. Has anybody been rescued here? How he rescued me from the snare of the fowler? How I should have died in the car crash? How God brought me through, brought me out, filled me with his spirit, set me on fire? Am I going to die now? So I just thought to myself, forget it. I'm going to worship you. I'm lying on the pew. I'm going to worship you. And I sat up and I stood up and I thrust my hands into the heavens and began to worship God with everything I had. The light, I remember, I remember I was just, I thought I was going to die. And something shifted shortly right after that. I began to experience his power. I lost myself in worship. In other words, my, my mind stopped thinking about it and I entered into his presence and it went on and on and on. And when it was over, Dr. Morocco Walked down the aisle and said, hallelujah, praise God. And I just started shouting and then I realized, hey, hey, I'm healed. Praise God. I ran at him and, and grabbed the mic, which is like really bold. And I told, the, I said, I got a testimony. He said, okay, Daniel, what happened? And I told him what happened. And you know something? God healed me completely. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. They thank God. They prayed that God, pardon me, look at B, would enable the servants in their mission of speaking the gospel boldly. It's an interesting way that it says it back to the text here. Lord, look at their threats, verse 29, and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Everybody say, speak your word. It's fascinating in the next verse it says, by, speak your word by. Speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Now that's interesting. So, so what they're basically saying is that healing is God speaking his word. Are you tracking with me? So when God heals somebody, that's a way of preaching. And I'm going to tell you something. We have relegated church to being teaching only, and it's a major mistake. And it's not even in scripture that way. All that Jesus, the, the book of Acts chapter 1 Dear Theophilus, I taught you about all that Jesus both began to do and teach. That is what Jesus did. Jesus would teach and he would do it. He would do it and he would teach. I'm going to tell you what we need to do. We need to not only teach the word, we need to let him speak the word by stretching out his hand to heal. Cancers healed. Deliverances. Freedom. The power of God. It is the, when the power of God is put on display, it speaks the word. It says, "Woo! Jesus is alive today. He rose again from the grave. Sickness, poverty, you know, death, disease cannot stand before the name of Jesus. And so they said, enable your servants with all boldness. We may speak your word by stretching out your hands to heal. Wow. Signs and wonders. They prayed that God would continue to demonstrate his power through healing signs and wonders. And lastly, before we move to the application of this message on this Sunday, God answered their prayers by filling them with the Holy Spirit. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating thing. In other words, God didn't just show up and do it all by himself. He filled them with the enablement, the ability to go do it through them. Through them. Everybody say, through them. Wow. All right, God's speaking to us. Let me ask you this question. 
It's rhetorical, meaning you don't have to answer, but answer in your own head. How important is prayer to you? How important is your prayer life? Now you can say, well, it's real important, Pastor. Well, good. But the truth is, you know how important someone's prayer life is of whether they actually pray. And I don't, and I don't mean, Lord, bless the food in Jesus' name and then you eat it. Now I lay me down to sleep is not going to get it in this hour for your teenagers who are absolutely barraged with an, with an incredible attack of media, lust, greed, pornography, homosexuality, coming through these things called smartphones all over. It's like a, an electronic cesspool can get pumped right to your kids. And I pray, you pray that cute little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to your Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, and no wonder they're having nightmares. Teach your kids to pray. Learn to, Come on, that kind of prayer is not going to get it in this generation. We need people who really are set in their understanding with a revelation of the power of prayer and the power of praying through. How important is your prayer life? You say, you are what you eat. No, 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 no. Actually, you are what you believe. What do you mean by that? That means what you believe is what you do. As a man believes or thinks in his heart, so he, so he is. Let's say that again. As a man thinks in his heart, so he, so if you want to know what, you're, what you believe, just take a look at the evidence of your life. How often do you read the word? How often do you witness? How often, don't get under condemnation, but I mean, come on, it's a good slapping this morning. We're all just going to go to another level in Jesus. Can you say amen? How important is prayer? Do you believe that prayer matters? Write in your notes. And if you do believe prayer matters, why? Why? I've been enjoying conversations with some of our, uh, our high schoolers and some of the challenges that they face. The arguments that they get into. Why is homosexuality wrong? Prove it. Prove it. If we were to do it right now, I'll tell you three quarters of the church couldn't tell you why it's wrong. And we would really just say, well, I don't know. Look at your neighbor and say, aren't you glad you came to church today? Go ahead, look at your neighbor. Let's see. Praise God. Isn't it good to be in church? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Most people can't really, can't really tell you why Jesus is God. Prove it. Why is the word of God our ultimate authority? Listen, you are not supposed to be your ultimate authority. And neither is the government, although they are a sphere of authority. Our ultimate authority is God. And our ultimate God, God is His Word. His Word, the Word is with God. The Word was God. The Word's God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1. Jesus. Jesus is the Word. You can't, you can't separate the Word from your walk with Jesus. This is your authority. And if you don't know it, then you won't know what you can do, what you can't do. You won't know what is right and what is wrong. I'm going to go encourage myself. I'll be right back. Preach, Pastor Daniel. Yes. Bring it. Bring the heat. Do you believe that prayer matters? Okay, and then ask yourself this question. Why? Because many believers believe this. I'm going to get to the heart of this, and then we'll close. Not much longer. Many believers don't really believe that. They don't really believe that prayer really matters because they see God as sovereign. And if they have a clear perspective, at least in that area, they know that God is loving and kind and merciful and compassionate. 
He's not, he's not going to beat you up to try to teach you something. He doesn't put disease on you. He doesn't put addiction on you. None of those things come from God. God God's good. I love what S.D. Gordon said, great man of God. He said this. You can do more than pray. Have you ever heard that expression? All we can do is pray. All, all we can do is pray. That is such a religious, knuckle-headed statement. All we can do is pray. Dude, that ought to be the first thing you're doing. All we can do is pray. So anyway, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. That's what he says. You can do more than pray after you've prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. Do you catch that? You can do more than pray after you pray, but you can't do more than that until you do. Do you catch that? He goes on to say that prayer is striking the winning blow and service is gathering up the results. Prayer is striking the killer shot that knocks out the enemy and then service is going and scooping up all the spoils. But if you go try to scoop up the spoils before you can get the winning blow, forget it. Our prayers do matter, but most don't think so. If our prayers don't matter, then why would Jesus constantly tell us to pray? Why would he say, where two of you are gathered together, you pray anything in accordance with my will, in my name, it shall be done. It's like a blank check. If prayer doesn't matter, then why did the Son of God, fully God, fully man, fully God, fully man, pray at least six hours a day, theologians say? Why would God himself in flesh pray if prayer doesn't matter? Prayer does matter. If it didn't, I mean, we could just take a nap and just hope that God just come and do what he wants to do, right? Our prayers matter. John Wesley said this, and I believe he's correct, and he said that God does nothing on the earth save an answer to believing prayer. Now, I lose sleep over that. If that's true, and I do believe it's true, theologically, I believe. Now, God does show up and do things, and there's certain, there's conditional and unconditional prophecy, okay? So you got a prophetic word at the last prophetic conference that you're going to be a great missionary, and you're going to go to the far-flung corners of the world and bring signs, wonders, and miracles, conditional prophecy. Because you could backslide today, reject the Lord, abandon your family, and go run, run somewhere and, and not serve God. Well, that, that prophetic word's not going to come about. That's a conditional prophecy. Unconditional prophecy, Jesus is coming back. There's not one or one thing that you or I can do. He's coming back. Now, the thing is, we can actually hasten, the scriptures say, hasten his return. By the way that we live, the way that we pray, the way that we speak, the things that we do, we can actually cause his return to quicken. You see, God has given us tremendous responsibility, and it all started in the garden, really. I'm going to read to you some scripture, and here's what I'm going to endeavor to do. I'm going to endeavor very quickly in the moments that remain in the service to prove to you why prayer matters and why your prayer matters, my prayer, all of us, why our prayers matter. In the Garden of Eden, God placed Adam there, made in the image of man, in the likeness of God, made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, he created a created man. And he placed him in the garden to tend and to keep it. The word keep is shamar. It's a Hebrew word for watchman. It's the first indication that there's actually something wrong in the garden. So God creates the earth. He places man in the midst of the garden as his representative, as his ambassador, to represent God in the garden. 
So when, when the animals were there and Adam is walking through the garden, it's, it's like, whoa, here comes God. Oh, no, no, it's, it's Adam. It's close. See, the fall of man is so gigantic, we have no clue how big it really was. One scholar said when he watched a giant redwood fall, he saw a giant redwood uh, dropped. It was 100 plus years ago. He said, I knew the tree was big, but when I walked it, then I realized how big it actually was. We talk about the fall of man, and we don't really even know how big that is. It's giant. And man lost and dying, he surely died, and this is just theological truth. It says in, in Psalm 8, verse 3 through 8, turn there with me quickly. I'm just going to, another, another seven minutes or so and I'll be done. Come on, say prayer matters. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 8. Here we go. Oh Lord. Our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Verse 1, who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength or praise because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger, the avenger. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, or the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man, that you would visit him or care for him? Verse 5. You've made him a little lower than the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Wow. You see, he made mankind to have authority. But at the fall of in the garden, authority was lost. The title deed of the earth. Listen, if you could just concentrate for five minutes, you'll, be, you'll, release, you'll receive what I believe to be revelation. It will spark your prayer life. You'll never be the same. The fall of man was gigantic. And the authority that God, the delegated authority, He gave authority, He caused man, called man to represent Him in the earth, was broken the title deed of the earth, although it was given to man in trust, was signed over to who Jesus calls the God of this age. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. So as you're turning there, Psalm 115 also confirms this. The heavens in the Moffat version, verse 16 of Psalm 115. The heaven, the eternal holds itself. The earth, he is assigned to men. The earth he's assigned. The word in the Hebrew is Nathan. It's a tremendous honor and privilege to be assigned the earth. Here, I'm going to give you the earth to steward over it for me, he says to Adam. But Adam failed. And when he failed, he failed a number of different ways. But in doing that, the title deed of the earth was given over to Satan, the God of this age. Luke chapter 4, verse 6, as he tempted Jesus, quote, Satan says, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it's been handed over to me, 
and I give it to whomever I wish. Wow. I remember reading that when I was first saved. I thought, what a liar. The earth is Lord's, the fullness thereof. Yet the Lord made it, but mankind lost it. And then what he did is he purchased it back. I'm getting ahead of myself. So when Satan says to Jesus, this has been handed to me, and I give it to whomever I want to, I always thought he was lying, but that ugly, the ugly one, Satan, who's telling the truth. That right there is telling the truth. That's why he's called the God of this age. We had a state trooper in our last service. You have to understand that prayer is a jurisdictional thing. Listen to me. I'm almost done three or, three or 15 more minutes to go. It's a jurisdictional issue. Here, let me, let me just talk about, let me, just talk about uh, me. I, I, have, I have authority here as to pastor. I'm entrusted, the building and all the different things we're doing. God, in His infinite grace, has blessed me to be your pastor. What a joy. Do you know I do not have that same joy and authority in another church? I can preach what I want to. You know that? I don't bust it out of a can or, you know, subscribe to a little magazine, 52 messages in a year. And we don't do that. Every one of these is freshly cooked. Hopefully it's not overcooked. Don't want to burn the grits. Come on, somebody say amen. I hate burned grits. Anybody else? We had a state trooper here, an Alaska state trooper in our last service. We've got a number of service uh, people here military people. A state trooper here in Alaska has tremendous authority. I mean, when he's on duty, off duty, well, he's a state trooper, but he can pull you over. He can, well, he's called and appointed by our government to basically administer the law. Thank God. Amen? Okay, but he has no authority in the state of New York. Do you understand? Now, I checked with this. This is true. I talked to him after, made sure. A state trooper cannot do state trooper stuff in a, in a state trooper in Alaska can't do, Ala can't do state trooper stuff in New York because there's New York state troopers, California, so on and so forth. You see, what has happened is because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, he forfeited the title deed, and so the earth is basically, he's the God of this age, but it's temporary. And the other thing to understand, I'll get back to the temporary thing. The other thing to understand is what God did is he so loved you and loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. To as many as believed in him, he gave them the rights to become children of God. Right, exousia, it's a, it's a, it's a legal word. You've been adopted. In other words, as I think it's in 1 Peter, he translates us out of darkness. He translates us out of the, 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 the kingdom of darkness and puts us in the kingdom of his son. You see, before you knew Jesus, you had really no right, no authority to be able to, to pray and see things change. Although God's merciful. And the prayer that he hears, I mean, I don't understand all of him and his ways. But it's true in jurisdiction. Your, your, your walk with the Lord, the power of the Lord is limited 
if you're still in darkness. But once you give your heart to Jesus, once you make Him your Lord and your Savior and you repent, He died for everybody, but not everybody's going to heaven. And once you give your heart to Him, you repent, He pulls you out of darkness and He places you into a new kingdom. The kingdom of God. So though you're in the kingdom of God, you're in the earth. Do you understand? So where the king is, so is his kingdom. Does anybody have Jesus in their heart today? That means where you go, so goes the kingdom. And that's why even though you're, you're walking in the earth, the, the God of this age has been given the title deed, the last Adam. Jesus is also called the last Adam. Because sin came into the world through Adam and his failure. And it left through Jesus, through all who believe. What was impossible to do any other way, God sent his only son to die while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You see, so prayer is a jurisdictional thing. So when God saves you and he translates you out of darkness and you're here, you pray in God's will, God's name. He releases his power because he's got jurisdiction to do it. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? Come on, wave at me if if you're getting. So does your prayer matter? Well, buddy. Back to your notes. We'll conclude this. The church, and when I say the church, I mean the church globally, church universal, the body of Christ, faces obstacles on its mission to reach the whole planet for Jesus. There's tremendous obstacles, and they can be overcome by prayer. I think it was just a little over two weeks now, we were, we were solaced by, attempted solace by politicians telling us that ISIS had been contained. As I flew back from, from Istanbul, news of the Paris attacks broke out and we knew for sure that ISIS is not contained. While Christians in the Middle East are experiencing what church leaders are calling a genocide, you will never hear about it on CNN. You'll never hear about the genocide. It's a genocide. I'm telling you, Christians are being wiped out all over the Middle East at an unprecedented rate. And, and, and salvation's breaking out all over too. You know, there's something about a persecuted church, those of you who know your church history, very quickly. Persecution, none of us want persecution, but it sure brings revival. Persecuted church cleanses the church, purifies the church. None of us want that. We're not praying for it. ISIS is persecuting the church. Although our own State Department will never talk about it, and you won't hear it on modern news. Don't be deceived today. There are great threatenings all around us, but I'm going to tell you we can see a difference through prayer. Your prayer matters. Come on, say, my prayer matters. And while the State Department has made their main goal of legalizing and endorsing same-sex marriage, I'm going to tell you, the nations laugh at us. I mean, we're, we're overseas. It's just the insanity of America is it's demonic. coddled, foul-mouthed students all across America 
all upset about their self-esteem. And when the barbarians storm the gates, I'm going to tell you that teddy bears and lollipops and balloons are not going to help us. Not going to help. But I believe that God is raising up an army. I believe that God is raising up a people that understand the power of prayer, the, the efficacy of the blood of the Lamb, a people that are not ashamed to say, I love Jesus with all my heart. Not smooth, need, apathetic, lukewarm, polluted, defiled Christians, but actually people that are on fire, willing to live for God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, and all their strength. I believe that God is raising up an army, an army of the Lord. He's calling from the ends of the earth. He's gathering intercessors. He's gathering people who say yes who won't be intimidated by by a 501c3 license i don't care i know it won't be intimidated by what the the opinions of people but are more moved by truth i didn't come for a ring i didn't come for a robe i didn't come for the accolades or applaud i came for the fight i came to win to see the kingdom of god released in the earth and the kingdoms of men destroyed for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth into the highways and the byways for people to be healed people to be free Lord you can't vote you can't vote on what's right you can't vote on what's wrong it's clear in the word won't you stand up and be counted today won't you stand up and be a people of prayer don't be seduced anymore by the the CNN and, and and the God of this age be accounted for and be a people of prayer your prayer makes a difference can you say amen I might have a couple more things here almost done Ezekiel 22 30 and I sought for a man among them who would make up a hedge and stand in the gap before the land Stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I believe that God is calling us to a deeper place of prayer. You're here, you say, Pastor Daniel, I, I'm convicted, I'm going to pray more. Listen, we got about 30 days to Christmas, about 30 days. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. I'll preach a Thanksgiving message on Wednesday. All right, Wednesday night. I am calling you to prayer. As your pastor, I'm calling you to prayer. Now, we have prayer times at our barn from 7 to 8 and then from 8 to 9. There is a noon prayer time. Church is open at noon for lunch. You can come and pray. He said, he said, Pastor, I'm going to be at one of our prayer centers. If that's you, God's touching your heart right now. You're going to commit in the next 30 days. You say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be at prayer. Raise your hand. You can do that. Come on, challenge yourself. Or you say, well, I can't make it. I'm gonna, you can put your hands down. I can't make it. I'm driving to Anchorage. I'm working, and I do the midnight shift. I understand. So how many of you say, well, I'm going to pray an hour a day. I'm going to try to pray an hour a day. You can't make it to the prayer meeting, but you're going to pray an hour a day. All right, good. Or you say, an hour a day? Dude, I just got, I'm glad I, I read my Bible for five minutes. Glory. Glory to God. I'm not doubting that. That's awesome. Do that. But you can pray more. Now, if you didn't raise your hand in the first two categories, they were a little confused in the first service. You got to pray for them. If you didn't raise your hand in the first two opportunities, you ought to be raising your hand in the next one. I can pray more. 
All right, the Lord sees your hand. Raise your hand high. He sees it. He sees your hand. You're going to pray more. So if it's five minutes, thank God for five minutes. Push for seven. Push for ten. Believe God. Because your prayer makes a difference. I love what, I don't know where Tony's at. Tony, can I pick on you? Is that right? I think Tony told one of our pastors, he said, man, I learned to pray at morning prayer. Is that right? He said, morning prayer. He came. He's on fire. He learned to pray at morning prayer. You know why I learned to pray? Morning prayer, about 20 years ago. Thanks, Mom, for making me go. Come on, let's ask God to give us a revelation in prayer, and then we're done. Father, thank you. You give us a revelation of what it is to be a people of prayer, that we would be the man that stands in the gap before you in the land, that yet intercessors would arise. Lord, we would pray and see your hand of omnipotence move in the earth that we would pray, we'd pray through. Behold their threatenings, O God, and cause a mighty army to rise. Even from KC, even from around the earth, prayer warriors would arise and we would see the genocide stop and we would see the gospel preached in every village, in every town, all across the nations. Lord, then America, our backslidden country, would come back to you. I pray, O God, as you dealt with Nebuchadnezzar so you would deal with our leadership in America. Deal with our leadership. I call God right now for you to come to touch the leadership of our nation. Lord, senators and congressmen, judiciary, our president, the vice president. Lord, we give honor to that office and honor to America. But Lord, we know what's right. We know what's wrong. Cause there to come an overthrowing, Lord, of this Babylonian type leadership in Jesus name God raise up a standard Lord as righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people touch and bless America God bless America say it God bless America he will bless America when America turns my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and fast and pray and turn from their wicked ways he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land the nation is made up of families if you're not right with God don't you leave this place without being reconciled to him don't you play church don't do it if that's you you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him or you just want to be assured of your salvation pray this prayer right out loud and we're going to do this all together and then we will officially close pray with me say dear Jesus thank you for dying in my place Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all my sin and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch each and every one. Break every chain, every bondage. Lord, that you would use us, Lord. Use us for the purpose that you've created us. Baptize these in the Holy Ghost. Baptize these afresh with power that we would speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal the signs and wonders that follow. Bless these. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight. Service starts at 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. 
Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.